Whether you're a fine artist or a surface pattern designer, you may have heard about the importance of creating in collections. If you're at the start of your art journey, you may be creating a lot of one-off pieces of art. So how do you go about starting to work in collections? And how many pieces do you need to have to be able to call it a collection? How do you create in a cohesive way? Do you need collections to have your work shown in a gallery? Are collections necessary to have your art shown to art directors for licensing? We'll tackle all of this and more in today's episode. Hi, this is Laura Lee Griffin. And this is Nikki May with the Stardust Society, inspiring you to stop getting in your own way and start building an art biz and life that you love. We are artists who believe strongly in the power of community, accountability, following your intuition, taking small, actionable steps, and breaking down the barriers of fear and procrastination that keep you stuck. Follow along with us on our creative business journey as we encourage you on yours. Okay, Nikki, I hear so much about the importance of creating in collections versus just creating one-off pieces. So why don't we first talk a little bit about what a collection actually is and the benefits of starting to create in that way? Okay, so what is a collection? Um, A collection is a group of pieces of art that generally reflect a consistent, cohesive style and incorporates a common theme or color palette, subject matter, or composition, or technique. Or some combination of all of these. Right. For example, if you're a fine artist, it could be a collection of moody landscape paintings by the sea. Or, uh, if your name is Nikki, a series of ink drawings of nude women with giant insects landing on them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or a series of happy, bright acrylic florals and funky vases. If your name is Laura, (laughs) but it could be something other than subject matter that makes it a collection. It could be your, your signature bold abstract strokes or color palette. And it doesn't have to be drawings or paintings. It could be collage work where the connecting theme is where the individual elements came from. Um, It could be a collection of ceramic vases of different shapes and sizes, but perhaps a similar glaze treatment. Basically, anything that shares a similar theme or story from the artist's viewpoint. And if you are an illustrator or a surface pattern artist, it could be a series of hand-lettered pieces that would look perfect on the front of greeting cards, a grouping of vintage florals and coordinates that would make an incredible fabric collection, or a series of abstract prints that would look terrific on coordinating bed linens. Or a collection of 50 drawings of state flowers and insects that you could apply to a calendar, shower curtains, canvas prints. Or the side of a building like you did, Nikki. Or the side of a building like I did, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Nikki. So how many pieces actually make up a collection? Okay, well, there are no hard and fast rules, but I would say, at least in the fine art world... A minimum of 10 pieces is a great start for grouping things in collections on your website, in a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, but for fine art, there's no limit. I know of artists who continue adding to a specific collection for a decade or more. Yeah, and, and 10 pieces isn't necessarily the rule for all industries. Let's take commercial surface pattern design, for example. 
But quilting fabric companies generally want to see a full 12 or so patterns for a fabric collection, but companies like a party supply manufacturer might be looking for mini collections of just three surface patterns that work really great together to use for plates, napkins, and cups, for example. Perhaps you have a complicated Santa-themed hero pattern, a simpler reindeer head pattern, and a tiny candy cane coordinate that all go really well together and share the same color family. That would make a nice mini Christmas collection. I would never have those Christmas pieces. <laughs> yeah, true, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, make you a sweatshirt that just says Bah Humbug on the front. There's no room for that in my bus. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to, uh, to fabric collections, let's explain what a hero pattern is in a collection. Well, in the surface design world, a pattern collection includes a hero, secondary, and blender patterns. Now, a hero pattern is the star of the show. It's the piece that makes you stop in your tracks and go, wow. It generally would be the most complicated piece in your collection and the one that you probably spent the most time on. A secondary pattern or a coordinate might be one that supports the hero pattern, but is not quite as complex. Um, It might have some fairly detailed motifs or elements, but it's not going to steal the show from the hero. And blender patterns should be simple designs that are the glue that hold the collection together. You can't have a shining star without that night sky. So you're going to need some patterns that sit in the background and help support the rest. Just imagine, for example, someone making a quilt with only hero patterns. That would be really, really hard to look at. You have to have the more subtle patterns there to support the fancier ones. Okay, Laura, so let's talk about what some of the benefits are for working in collections. Well, first off, it helps you hone your signature style. If you're making lots of work with a specific theme, your style will begin to emerge and have a voice. It also keeps you focused towards a goal when you have a set number of pieces that you're working to complete. And for artists who are interested in getting gallery representation, it's important to have work in one or more large collections so that they know that if they choose, for example, five or seven pieces from a collection, that you have more to replace them when they sell Mm -hmm. or that you can create more in a style that appeals to their collectors. Um, You might want to go back to Start a Society episodes 74 and 75, where we interviewed my friend Hina Alvarado, and went into more detail about this topic. Yeah, that was a great interview. And if you aren't interested in getting your art in galleries, working in collections also gives you the ability to market and sell a body of work online. You can sell a group of work at one time and create a lot of buzz about an upcoming collection release on your social media feeds and website. You can give your followers a sneak peek into your collection creation process and build anticipation for that date and that time when the pieces will be available and launch. Again, this focuses your energy on the creation process, and then you can turn around and focus your energy on the selling process later in preparation for that day that you launch. And people have a fear of missing out. So artists that sell in collections frequently have more sales than those that don't. Yes, absolutely. Um, And back to the more commercial examples of getting your artwork on products, we already mentioned the importance of having a collection of about 12 patterns or so if you want to have your artwork on fabric with a commercial quilting company. After all, they call them pieced or patchwork quilts for a reason. You're piecing Mm -hmm. different patterns together to create your quilt. Mm 
Also, it's worth mentioning that even if you aren't ready to pitch a collection to a large fabric company, creating collections of coordinating patterns for a a print-on-demand site like Spoonflower could really help you sell more yardage there. Yeah, and if you want to have your artwork on products in a store like, say, Target, they usually look for coordinating pieces that go together. For example, if it's for bedding, it might be different patterns in the same collection for sheets versus duvet covers versus pillowcases. Mm -hmm. If it's for wall art, they're going to look for a series of pieces that work together. And this goes for really any kind of home goods, stationery, office supplies, things like that. Right. So, Laura, how do you even think about and start creating collections? Well, I think you can start by choosing a theme and subject matter. You can literally choose anything. I remember walking into the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam years and years ago and being shocked that it seemed like the entire first floor contained nothing but paintings of brown potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently that was the common theme in his life at the time. And he decided to paint a whole collection of potatoes. Well, I can appreciate a meal with a common theme of different preparations of potatoes, but An art collection, (laughs) right? (laughs) Now, potatoes don't exactly inspire me. So, Nikki, for a painting collection, I think I'd personally choose a theme of forest animals. And for a surface pattern design collection, I'd probably go for one of the two top selling themes out there, florals or Christmas. What about you, Nikki? It'd be nude women, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Laura, for my fine art, yes, it's almost always going to have nude women as a common theme. (laughs) Um, For my surface design stuff, it's almost always florals with the addition of animals or insects. Okay, so once you pick a theme, you will want to seek some inspiration next. So if you're able, take yourself out on an artist's play date, uh, going to paint or illustrate flowers Take yourself to your local botanical garden and bring your sketchbook and a camera along. Oh, please. Like anyone goes anywhere without a phone with a camera in their pocket. True. It's so much nicer than hauling my big digital SLR around and all of those lenses. Aren't phone cameras freaking amazing now? Yeah, totally. I got rid of my digital SLR years ago because I found it was such a hassle compared to just taking out my phone. And my phone takes amazing photos. Yeah, it's it's how I feel about my Kindle now, too. I mean, I can travel with 200 books instead of 20 pounds of actual books. <laughs> but I digress. We frequently digress. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you're gathering inspiration, be open to new things and see what inspires you. Can't get out and about? Go to Pinterest and make an inspiration mood board for yourself. What are all the elements that you want to show in your collection? What is the story that you want to tell the person who sees your art? You can also focus on color. Depending on the audience and industry you're creating for, you probably want to limit your colors to a specific palette. Mm -hmm. This can be really helpful when creating your signature style. Um, There are some artists that when I see their work, I know exactly who made a piece just because of their color choices. Yeah, there's so many examples. Um, One that comes immediately to mind is Stacey Bloomfield of Gingerbur who we interviewed in episode 19. Now, she tends to use some very specific colors, like there's a a green gold, an orange, a muted pink um, that she uses throughout her work. And in the case of creating collections for things like the traditional quilting fabric industry, 
You'll need to have spot colors of only around 13 if the fabric's going to be screen printed rather than digitally printed. You definitely have to limit the number of screens required to keep the cost down. Right, because it'd be like crazy, super expensive right. and take forever to produce it otherwise, right? Yep. Um, now, the colors that you regularly use should be the colors that make your heart sing. Though some may argue it's helpful in the commercial art industry to also consider trends like the Pantone color of the year. Ooh, that could be a whole separate episode. Right. To trend or not to trend? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Laura, that was a lot of examples specific to surface design and illustration. But personally, I think of things very differently when approaching it as a fine artist. Mm -hmm. If I'm working on a collection for a gallery show or even to just approach galleries, I have a method I typically use to start a collection. Okay. What is that? Um, Well, I may or may not have a specific theme or subject matter in mind to start with. Sometimes that develops as I work, but here's how I start. So say I'm working in encaustic, which is one of my favorite mediums to work in. Yes, wax. Yes. I will lay out four to six wood panels on my work table and start working on them all together. I'll apply whatever colors or background treatment, which in my case is usually collage of similar items. Mm -hmm. to all the pieces and just keep working on them in layers all together. Okay. At some point, each one becomes its own piece and I'll take it in its own direction. But because I started working on them all together, there's a natural cohesion built in from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I have specific examples of a recent series I did this way that I'll show in the show notes. Awesome. I I like that approach. And then do you make the next, I guess, four to six panels the same way to build the entire collection? Uh, yes, I will do that. But by that point, I've kind of already established a look, a feel, a style for that collection. And I'll use what I've done there as a starting point. So mm-hmm. actually, sometimes the ones I work on together become sort of a mini series within a larger collection. Okay. Because those first ones will be really cohesive. But the next series will be similar enough to be part of the same collection, but mm-hmm. different enough because they weren't done at exactly the same time to still be interesting and unique on their own. Right. Because even though they're they're all part of the same collection, you don't want everything to look exactly alike. Okay, so how do you start a collection if you are a commercial surface design artist? Um, for a pattern designer, the next step would be to sketch out some ideas for icons or motifs, which are basically elements that will make up your pattern. Now, I do this personally uh, on my iPad, and if you're an illustrator or a greeting card artist, you could create thumbnails of different layout ideas until you find a series that you're really happy with. Now, you'll want to narrow down those designs that you like the best and trace over them and import that work into something like Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, or Affinity Designer so that you can color them, texture them, and turn those into repeat patterns, placement art, and more. If you want to learn more about the specifics of how to do this technically, we have some classes that either one or both of us have taken Mm -hmm. that uh, that we highly recommend. And we'll put links to all these in today's show notes. Um, Bonnie Christine, who we've talked about many times, has several helpful classes on Skillshare, including one called Surface Pattern Design 2.0, Creating a Collection. Uh, Mel Armstrong's Surface Pattern Design Fundamentals, uh, which is focused on Adobe Illustrator, is great, as well as her Paint to Pattern class, which is all about Adobe Photoshop. And those are both on Skillshare. 
And also on Skillshare, Liz Kohler Brown has a bunch of courses that we think are fantastic. And one of them is 10 Ways to Make Better Patterns. And another is Design a Pattern Collection on Your iPad. And that one is using Procreate or Affinity Designer. And I have to say, I had never even heard about Affinity Designer before I took that class. And it is really stinking awesome for creating patterns um, if you're if you're using your iPad. Yeah, I I have it on my long list of things to learn how to do. (laughs) (laughs) The growing list. Yes, it's growing. All right. Um, Also, Victoria Johnson has a fabulous course uh, called Create Collections. So she is a seasoned art director with really great advice on what it takes to make fantastic collections. And she also is an artist that has produced, you know, lots of commercial collections herself. And if you're a traditional painter and you want to learn how to digitize your work, you can take Kat Koch's class from paper to screen, digitally editing your artwork in Adobe Photoshop. Yeah, I actually need to do that one um, because I've been doing lots of watercolor lately that I want to digitize and it's never nice and clean. Like when I import it in. Oh, yeah. And I'm not I'm not amazing at Photoshop like you are, Nikki. So I've got to work on that. (laughs) I'm I'm decent. (laughs) <laughs> you're pretty. You're more than decent. <laughs> well, thank okay. you. Okay, so once you've made your first pattern, you can take small elements from that and turn it into a blender or a coordinating pattern. Or if you make a placement piece, which is like a standalone piece of art that would go on, let's say, a greeting card or the top of a, a dinner plate, you could grab some elements from that and turn those into a repeat pattern without completely reinventing the wheel. All right, Laura. So what do we do with our collections once we've created them? Well, you want to name them. I'm so bad at that part. Yeah. So you want to add a name and perhaps a brief sentence that tells a story of what your artwork is about. So we're going to link to some examples of fabric collection names and descriptions in the show notes page. I loved this one that was by Maureen Cracknell, and it was called Enchanted Voyage. (laughs) And the snippet for it was... Set sail on a whimsical journey with Marine Cracknell's enchanted voyage. Illuminated with dreamy colors and sea-inspired illustrations, you'll listen to the waves, count the stars, and greet majestic whales on your nautical adventure. Wow. <laughs> now, this collection could have been named Sea Life and Whales, right? Like, <laughs> But the words tell a story, and they actually help you feel a connection to it. So... It's, it's Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so bad at that part. <laughs> Guess what I named my state flower and insect collection? State flowers and insects? Yes. Yes, I did. State flowers <laughs> and insects. Very, very original, huh? <laughs> well, it's not horrible for SEO, though. Well, okay, but it's not great for the whole storytelling idea that Maureen Cracknell and people like Bonnie Christine are so good at. True. Well, I think for fine art, too, it is a lot about creating a feeling. And I remember Emily Jeffords teaching about the importance of evoking a feeling in your painting listings on your website. So if you speak about your art beautifully, others will feel that same excitement and they want some of that beauty in their own homes. Yeah, I know. I absolutely know the importance of that and mm-hmm. of writing good artist statements. I'm just so bad at that part. <laughs> my my writing is just so matter of fact and descriptive. Right. But here's an idea for another episode. 
That would be a good one. And then we'd be forced to write good artist statements, right? Yes, I will. Uh, I will give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the meantime, definitely take a look at the link in the show notes for some great ideas. Okay, so we've named our collection and we've written a beautiful statement about it. Now, what do we do with it? Well, if you're a commercial artist, having finished collections gives you an edge and makes it more likely for art directors to pay attention to your work. You can add coordinating images together to your online portfolio, and you'll always want to ensure that you include your contact information with those. Definitely. Um, You can create your own books or PDFs of your portfolio collections and either email them or physically mail them to companies that you'd love to work with. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to make sure your art style is a good match for their products. Mm -hmm. And we talk all about getting started submitting your work to art directors in episode 21. We also recommend a couple classes to learn more about this part of art licensing. So one of those is Stacey Bloomfield's Leverage Your Art, um, which both Nikki and I have taken, and Mm -hmm. Shannon McNabb's Pitch Your Portfolio, which we'll link to in the show notes. Okay, Nikki, so aside from my 30-day challenges that I participated in and a series of whimsical portraits and maybe a few mini surface pattern collections, I personally tend to do lots of one-off pieces. So I think it's time for me to start doing some larger collections. How about you? Well, I haven't really done any full pattern collections, but Mm -hmm. I've created a lot of collections of drawings and caustic work and a variety of other things, including jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely recommend that you start doing more work in collections. Right. Uh, aside from all the commercial benefits of getting gallery and art director interest, marketing your work directly to potential collectors, it's such a great way to help you dive deeper into a direction, a theme, a medium, and really hone your skills. Now it's your turn. Do you already work in collections or do you want to start making them? Share with us in the Start a Society Facebook group. For links to all the resources we mentioned and to read today's Stardust Society show notes, go to stardustsociety.com slash collections. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and review and share it with a friend. Reviews help us reach more Stardusts like you and keep us inspired to create new episodes. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.